The following sermon podcast is a glimpse into the community of Central Bible Church, where we strive to welcome everyone into Jesus' life. We hope that you can join us for this Sunday service as we gather together seeking to live in and for Christ. If you all remember the old movie City Slickers, it's an old comedy, Billy Crystal. You know, and it's, it's, there's these three guys whose life is going poorly. Billy Crystal's one of them, and they're they're confused about life, and directions become problematic for all of them. They go to a dude ranch to kind of find themselves, and this old, crusty, kind of scary but wise ranch guy is telling them. How to, you know, maybe how you should live life. And he said, to live life well, to understand the purpose of life, there's this one thing. The one thing. And then he dies. And they don't, and so the rest of the movie is like, what's the one thing? Because they all desperately know they need new direction. And that one thing was right there, and then it disappeared. So this morning, I want to share with you the, the one thing about Christianity, that growth in God, that really, really matters. Um, and everything else flows from, everything else flows from it. Um, and I learned this through living in a very, very messy uh, ministry for 30 years. I've been in working with folks that were really, really struggling, uh, very, very broken folks, very volatile situations. Um, no different than the rest of life, just bigger, <laughs> more volatile, more poignant. The principles are the same. The realities are the same, just more blown up. So the good news about that is you really get the principles that work and you really get the ones that don't because it's so profoundly in front of you. You see what works and what doesn't. Uh, I, I'm thinking when I was a, by the way, as a confession, I'm a recovering engineer. Right from. <laughs> and what that means, A, that my transition to this work is very difficult for me because I came from a very ordered world. And you knew your formulas, you use them, and they work, and, you know, Everybody knows their job, and it's clean, and it's focused. Um, very, very different than what I do now. But what, I'm still recovering, so what I, I still pursue truth by looking for data. Engineers love data. And we just want data. Give us data. We're data junkies. Get us data so we can evaluate it and discern the truth about life from the data. And then use that truth to build things and have fun. Now that's, that's engineering 101 right there. Love data, evaluate, get truths, use it to build stuff um, and have fun with it. So I approach all of life still very data-driven. And so I look at data. Um, and whether it's in this messy 30-year journey of mine in, in the work I do or whether it's going to the Word of God, I'm always looking at data and trying to discern the truth from the data. And so... Um, in doing that, I want to, I'll tell you up front, um, that the, the one, the big thing, the one thing is our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ. Um, the first song we sang today was, how beautiful, you know, what a beautiful name it is. But our name is our identity. Jesus is not just a name, it's a person, and it's who we were called to become like. Christ in us, our hope of glory. The identity, our identity in Christ. So I want to unpack that. I want to go to the Word. I want to look up some data with you and show to you 
It's, it's the big thing. It's the one thing. We're going to look at that. So I'm telling you up front, that's where we're going. Um, but how I got to that was, again, is working with folks that are very, very hurting and situations that if you don't apply something that works, people die. And also you learn that what really hurts people? What, what's the consistent pattern of life that really destroys people? What is it? What are the principles there? You see that very vividly. And it really helps. It's, it's true, for all of, true for all of us. It's just you see it vividly there. I remember when I was becoming an engineer, I was in grad school, and my roommate was uh, in medicine, and he was an orthopedic surgeon. He was doing his residency. And his favorite teacher in med school, um, before he did his residency, was a professor of orthopedic surgery. And he thought he was the best teacher he ever had. And the reason he was the best teacher he ever had was that he did triage on Iwo Jima, which means, which was messy. He got to see things you're not going to see other places, vividly, poignantly, severely, about the human body and how it works and how you can repair it, how you can heal it, how you can save it. Um, and he, the rest of his life, that Surgeon just took that knowledge from Iwo Jima and shared it with a bunch of young punks coming out of the college. This is how it works. I saw it vividly. I learned these things. I couldn't have learned anywhere else because no, no place else is so severe and stark and clear. And I just convey them to people trying to learn how to be a doctor, be a surgeon. That's what he did. So the challenge of messy places is they're messy and they're challenging. The beauty of them is you learn the real basics really well. So I want to share with you about how identity in Christ is that core basic I've learned through this journey. And a, a bit of a word about us, about the mission. We, there's really two PRMs. There's Portland Rescue Missions. There's one downtown. Most people know us as that building downtown on Burnside, right? And they envision it, well, people get meals there and some shelter, and it's kind of a, you know, a rescue mission in a traditional sense. But really, two-thirds of what we do is out here in northeast Portland at Shepherd's Door for women and kids, and at the harbor for men. And I, I, I'll keep the medical thing going. Um, I, I liken it to ER and OR. Downtown is ER. It's just triage. It's messy. It's a lot going on. People come in with little light touches every day, a little bit, keep them going. Whether it's food, it's bathrooms, it's shelter, it's referral. Someone's ODing, get them medical help. A lot of little touches at real hurting times. People that work there, volunteers and staff, tend to be extroverts. No surprise, right? They kind of like a lot of people. They're energized by people and movement and things. They're selling hope and value. Everybody who comes in that door, you want to convey, you matter, because they don't feel like they do. Not just because of what they've experienced during homelessness. Probably their whole life has been a pretty challenging experience. All of which says you don't matter. So everything we do is done with a view to saying you matter. And also selling hope. Because you matter, there's hope. Because there is a God who loves you, and you do matter, so there's hope. So you matter, you have value, there's hope. If they can get that in their heart, they can then begin to respond to opportunities to move forward. If you've developed trust 
So in conveying value and sharing hope, you hope to build trust with which you can help guide people to a better place. That's what happens downtown. A lot of people, a lot of me triage, messy, messy, messy. Out here, OR. It's people come by choice. I want to dedicate a year of my life to deep surgery. It's a quiet environment. It's in a residential setting. Everybody has a job. You know, the anesthesiologist, there's a surgeon, there's the nurses, there's a rehab. It's all there, and you're going to go deep. There'll be blood, but there'll be permanent change. And when you leave, you'll be much more whole than when we came in. That's the OR. That tends to be populated by introverts. You know, therapists, counselors, mentors, teachers, chaplains, one-on-one specialists. So really, it's two very different cultures. So if you're ever thinking of volunteering, pick wisely. Choose wisely. Who are you? Are you a people person who loves lots of stuff and wants to just to share and love people a couple hours a week every week? Or you want to go deep with somebody and go deep week after week after week after week after week and convey and pour life into them and see a change happen? Two very different environments, different staff, but they're all on the same spectrum of human restoration. And at each place, we have deliberately created several levels so people can come in wherever they're at and then move forward. To, we have three different levels of shelter downtown. We have different programs at, at Shepherd's Door and at the harbor because people are in different places. And people move at different paces. And you have to acknowledge those truths and you have to comply with them. Places and paces are different. You have to meet that variety in order to help people. And so we do. So we have a very leveled, multi-leveled service delivery downtown in triage and a multi-level programmatic structure at the harbor and Shepherd's Door. But in that process, in the years I've done it, uh, I've really learned that it's our, the core issue we're trying to convey to folks, ourselves, our, our volunteers, and the people we're serving, is to grow in our identity in Christ to deepen our identity, our intimacy with him. And everything else flows from that. And everything we do points to that. And that's true for all of us. Just some people are in more poignant need than others, but it's true for all of us. So let's open the data. What do you say? Let's do some, some data mining here in, in that regard. Um, I've shared this a lot over the last 20 years. I heard it, I read it in a daily bread or something, maybe 20 years ago. And so I share it. I, I probably shared it here when I preached here previously. I always like to weasel it into it, any sermon because it is the main thing. And it, so I asked a question, and, and some of you all may have heard me ask this. So you know the answer. But I have yet to find someone in 20 years who had the answer right. I didn't, have, I didn't know it until I read it. But what is the most quoted scripture, the most quoted saying of Jesus in the Gospels. It's recorded six times. It's verbatim in six, six times in the Gospels, a saying he said. About data again. If it's repeated the most, it probably has the most importance. If it's repeated over and over again, God's probably trying to tell us something. It's in every Gospel, all four Gospels. Two Gospels have it twice. And it's this. Well, I'll read one of those versions. It's in the Luke version, Luke 9, verse 23 to 25. Then he said to them all, Jesus, 
If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Here it is, sports fans. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. There it is. It's talking about surrender. Losing your, your identity to gain one, a new one he has for you. To lose who you've been and who you, who you are, your identity in the world, that the world, yourself, and all that's in it has made you. You come to him and you die to that and you live to the new identity he wants to give you. That, that's it. That's the most repeated saying of Jesus. Or data. Paul, in all his teachings in the New Testament, 164 times he taught on this topic, more than any other topic, guess what it is? Our identity in Christ. The data supports it again. The most frequently recorded saying of Christ, the most frequently talked about topic of Paul, our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ. And this is intimately tied to the kingdom of God. The two are like twins together. You'll see, you'll see this also. The most, what's data? The most dominant message in, in Jesus' teachings and actions, the most dominant message in Jesus' teachings and actions in the Gospels, over 90 times in the Gospels, was the kingdom, the kingdom of God. So our identity in Christ and the kingdom of God are the most data-intensive topics of the New Testament. And they go together. But let's look at, again, we deal with basics, right? Let's go to the most quoted prayer of all Christendom, the Lord's Prayer. You'll see these two together, the Lord's Prayer. Let's go to Matthew 6, 6 5, to, 5 to 13. For when you pray, Jesus teaching his disciples, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you have forgiven men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So there's a passage of the Lord's Prayer. What's the most repeated topic there in that passage. It's said six times. Father. Father. He mentions the Father three times. In the prayer, it starts with our Father. After the prayer, Father, Father, two more times. Why is he picking that term? He could have picked a lot of terms for God. Because he's saying you are 
a child of God. He is your father. You have his DNA. You have his identity. Your identity is in him. He is your father. Father is an identity term, a DNA term. So our father is about our identity. We're his. And the next thing it says, or after it says our father who's in heaven, your kingdom come. There's kingdom. How does it end? Yours is the kingdom. It ends and begins. Yours is the kingdom. 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 Your identity. is He is your identity. And kingdom making and kingdom building is your purpose. Christ is your identity and kingdom building is your purpose. The Lord's prayer. We see it also, again, in um, born again. We know born again is a term we use, we hear all the time. It's probably one of the most frequent things regarding salvation. You must be born again. And it came from a teaching of Christ in John, John 3, 3. And you all know the passage, I'm sure. Nicodemus came to him asking, you know, what, what do I do, you know, to know God? And he said to him, most assuredly, I said, unless one is born again, he cannot see what? The kingdom of God. What is born again referred to? Being fathered. You've been born. You have a DNA. Being bo- you, must be bo- you must get a new identity. You must be born again. Your current identity doesn't cut it. It will not get you to the kingdom, nor can you build the kingdom in your current identity. You must lose that, die to that, and gain a new identity. Born again. A new identity from the Father so that now you can see the kingdom. Be the kingdom. Build the kingdom. Data. Beautiful stuff. Over and over again, over again, all these angles, same thing being said. And Peter, in Matthew 16, Peter, the leader of the disciples in the New Testament church, Matthew 16, 13 and 19. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man, am? Meaning, who, who am I? What is my identity? What are people saying about my identity? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You know, the DNA of man, <laughs> a reincarnated, reincarnated man, old DNA. He said to them, but what do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are of his DNA directly, not of man. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And whatever you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So here again you have a new identity. Clarifying Christ's identity is God, not of man. Peter, I'm giving you a new name. Or a name. I'm saying you are Peter. And that, 
stone. I'm going to make you a rock. And I'm going to do what? Build my kingdom on you. Because you understand my identity. And my identity has become your identity. And your role is to build my kingdom. There it is again. Same sequence. Getting it right. And we see this, of course, all through Scripture where God renames, especially leaders, um, he re-identifies them. You have a new identity and a new name to symbolize that identity before you can lead my people. You need to be changed. You need to be reoriented. You need to be new DNA'd before you can go and, and produce kingdom fruit. You don't have the DNA to do it now. You need my DNA. And then you can go reproduce kingdom fruit. We see it with what? Who is the father of the faith? Father of all who believe. The mother and father of all who believe. He who seeks righteousness. He who seeks God. Look to Abraham and to Sarah who gave you birth. Abram and Sarai. God renamed them. So you now have a new identity. I'm supernaturally giving you a new identity. So you can birth a nation. And you can birth people of faith. Abram became Abraham, Sarai became Sarah. A renaming, a re-identifying. So kingdom could be built through you. It could not be before you were re-identified. Just like he did with Peter. In the New Testament, he did with Sarah and Abraham in the beginning. You see it with, same with the, you know, Jacob to, to, you know, to Israel. Same thing. He does it with us. You must be born again. You must get a new name. Revelations. Those who overcome will get a new name. A new identity. We must change. You must die to yourself and live for him every day. Every day. That journey of identity change. You know, so when, we, when I talk to people that have been in the field for 20, 30, 40 years, and, you know, and the mainly Christian folks that, in the work that I do, and we say, you know, what's the core thing we're trying to focus on here when folks that are broken come to us deeply in addiction, deeply isolated? And when we get down to it, every conversation really kind of lands with the, in the same place. They need a, a new identity. They need to come to a new identity. And sometimes the folks we're working with are so, so broken and so confused that they don't even know their current identity. They have one. We all have one. We operate from something. What's made us and shaped us to something. But some people don't even know what that is. And they have to come to the, themselves and figure out who they really are and go, oh, don't want that. And then offer them something far better. What a beautiful name it is, Jesus. And that's really Christian work, evangelism, discipleship, anywhere, anytime, since Christ. It's just done in different scenarios and different places. But that's really the journey we're all on. All of us on. In fact, a testimony in, in the Revelations, we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of Jesus makes a way for us to have a new identity. He died on the cross. The song we sang, the, 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 the veil was torn in front of you. When he died, it was torn. Accessing us to him. Now we can become, his identity can become ours. 
no longer done by a high priest in abstention from us. He comes to us, and his blood sprinkles us, and we gain a new identity. Birthing involves blood. Hello? New birthing involves blood. His. His blood births us into a new identity. And through that and the word of our testimony, meaning our response to that, our walking out our new identity in kingdom building, our testimony is how we overcome Satan. Not just in our lives, but in others. That's kingdom building. It's all the same simple premise. What's a testimony? Anybody's test, what is it? It's basically the journey from a self-centered life, worldly life, to a Christ-centered life. You're leaving that identity to come to this identity. That's a, because of the blood of Jesus, that can start. Because of our obedience and our choice to respond, the journey can continue. Fueled by grace, which means power from him. We ain't got, we need from him every day. Moving from a self-centered life to a Christ-centered life identity fueled by the grace of God, which we need every day. And it does not end until the day we die. It's not a one-time deal. It's It's the journey we're on. And as we do that, the kingdom is being built to, in us, and through us. Kingdom building. Our identity in Christ is the main thing. The purpose is to build a kingdom. And we need to die completely, let go, surrender. It's not a cleaning up. Brian knows this. I tell people all the time in recovery, I hope you're not here just to get clean and to make your old DNA clean and dress it up. I'm hoping you're coming here to die (laughs) to this and to be reborn into a new identity. It's not a cleaning. It's a transformation. It's a new birth. Unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't even see it, much less do anything with it. You need new eyes. You need new DNA, complete and total. And every day, we should have the poignancy and the drive and the sobriety to know, man, this is a big deal. Today's a day I want to die a little so I can rebirth a little. I can be cleansed. I'll be sanctified today more and more and build the kingdom better. And I want to do that with others. I want to spur on others to do the same. That's what every day is for every Christian that's ever lived. A focus on the identity of Christ growing in us and kingdom building through that identity so he may receive the glory and the honor forever and ever. The kingdom and the glory and the honor forever and ever. Amen? That's what bonds all Christians that have ever lived and still does to this day. So, um, I want to, I'll close with a, I want to read a scripture that kind of wraps all of Paul. One of his 164 times he talked about the kingdom, um, about our identity in Christ. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. 14 to 21. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. 
but he for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, identifies with him, his identity is becoming you. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We have his identity, and we're identifying with him, and we're taking that to the world every day, every day. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father, you have ordained every person who's ever come to you and been born again to be an ambassador of reconciliation, a kingdom builder. And Father, we know we can only reconcile to the degree with which we've been reconciled. I pray that everyone here this morning would gain new conviction, new hunger, a new thirst for deeper reconciliation with you, deeper identification with you. And each of us, Father, would more quickly shirk off the old identity and watch the new one be birthed even bigger and bigger and bigger in us so that your kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven and you may receive all honor and glory through your people this day. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. We desire to be formed by the word of God in community. If you have questions about this week's sermon, we would love to hear from you. For more information about our church, please visit centralbible.church.